You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, uh, Too Many Lawyers is kind of a fun little play on words, you know? Because there are too many well, lawyers. that's the problem. You see, we, we came up with the name, I won't bore everybody with the origin story, right. like some sort of bad people Marvel love, comic book. <laughs> people love origin stories. Those I are the most be. popular comic books. Well, we started out with Too Many Lawyers, and um, we were going to have the, the number, Arabic number two. Two. And, right. Because we are two lawyers. Right. And then nobody could... You know, figure out how to Obviously. spell it on the internet. So we said, all right, there'll just be too many lawyers, T-O-O. Or I guess we, we tried T-W-O. But anyway, we decided we're going to go with T-O-O. But the weird thing is that suggests we're a couple of, you know, tort reformers, which I am. Mm, but you sure. ain't. No, I ain't. I am a libertarian and right. Connor is a progressive. And you can write your nasty letters to him. Uh, Connor Oaks, Los Angeles, California. That's all the address you need. Please, I, if you have a nasty email or, or letter, yeah, that's all the address yeah. you need. You just send it. They, they won't get it to me, and that's exactly how I like it. Yeah, so the thing is, we're too many lawyers, but we aren't uh, really the idea of the show is not, doggone it, there are too many lawyers. It's like Shakespeare said, let's kill all the lawyers. Right, right, right. And of course, the, the smarty pants says, yeah, actually, that was a character who hated lawyers because they helped people who needed help and he wanted to kill them all so nobody who needs help would get help. Yeah, so Shakespeare love lawyers. But the fact of the matter is, there is, a, there is a healthy debate that we don't get into much, really, in terms of whether America is over litigated. So that's not what too many lawyers means. It just means, you know, we're too many lawyers because we bloviate and maybe <laughs> yeah. there should only be one or zero of us on the podcast. Too much lawyer chit chat. Maybe yeah. we could get some non-lawyers in here to lighten things up so we could talk about sports one of these weeks. If we ever figure out how to put guests on the podcast, we'll do <laughs> it's that. It's complicated. Hey, so the thing is, to speaking of bloviating and too many lawyers talking, we have so much to get to yep. this topic uh, this this uh, week in the podcast. Let me uh, give you kind of an overview of what we're going to talk about. We want to talk about whether this Neanderthal thinking comment by our esteemed president was really stupid because it's too much like Hillary Clinton's deplorables thing. I, I personally am, am kind of uh, of that view. We're going to talk about a brand new lawsuit against Donald Trump by a Democratic Congressman Eric Swalwell, the guy who's been sleeping with a communist spy. Who hasn't? But he broke up with her, so it's okay. I yeah, guess he, goes, he probably ghosted her. You right, know? right, right. I don't know about that. Hey, who you, you never know who you're going to meet on Tinder, right? Uh, should 16-year-olds vote, uh, Representative Ayanna Presley, a card-carrying member of the squad, is 
the House of Representatives says, yeah, man, they, these young people deserve to be stakeholders in our democracy. It has nothing to do with her concept of how they might vote of course if not. they got the vote. Of course not. Uh, we are going to talk about whether vaccines should be mandatory. Uh, should Walmart be able to fire you if you show up to be a greeter and they say, okay, take the shot. And you say, I don't want to take the shot. So we're going to get into that. We're going to get into uh, whether the recall threat against Governor Newsom is a, is a good idea, a powerful idea. Uh, should stimulus checks go to the Boston bomber? <laughs> the Tom surviving tweet. Love it. I can't Boston wait. Boston bomber. Can't wait. We're going to get. And is uh, Governor Cuomo giving the lamest possible apology? That's about seven episodes worth of topics. So it let's is, get going. We're going we're to talk <laughs> fast. But then the final act here of the podcast, we, there is a king, a king of multitasking on the entire planet. And uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to tell you who this guy is. So let's start out with the Neanderthal thinking thing. So, yeah. so President Biden, I think this is proof that he isn't really a president, Connor. He's an empty vessel into which the progressive advisors are pouring words. It was so tone deaf. A smart politician, which Biden has been all his life, would never call people uh, guilty of Neanderthal thinking, folks that are on the opposite side of him. It's exactly like Hillary and the deplorables. You remember the story I've told on this podcast about how Pennsylvania voters actually gave the vote to Donald Trump in 2016 because they were so pissed off about the bitter clinger idea that Obama said when he didn't know he was being recorded, yeah, some folks bitterly cling to their guns and their religion. And man, that set off the Pennsylvania Dutch folks and you see bumper stickers throughout Pennsylvania saying, I'm a bitter clinger. It's this notion that blue collar voters have that elites look down on them. Uh, you know, it's it's and now they're so stupid. They're literally subhuman. They're Neanderthal. That's the kind of thing that brings these folks out to the polls. So why would he make such a blunder? I mean, it's like a chess grandmaster overlooking the fact that he's just given up a rook for nothing. Yeah. W- what do you think? I think that this was uh, one of. Any one of a thousand things that Biden could have said that was not very objectionable, that in context was not that offensive, really, to anybody who's really listening to what he's saying. And you're high on Neanderthals. People are going to take that and run with it. And the, you know, media uh, circus that that results from a bunch of political opponents of Biden's who want to blow this up into a yet another culture war thing. uh, It's inevitable. He's going to say stuff that can be taken out of context to feel offensive. He says about basically Mississippi and Texas, who are whose governments, not the people of of Mississippi and Texas, but the governments of Mississippi and Texas are lifting mask mandates. Other Southern states down there are saying, what are you, crazy? No, of course we're not going to lift mask mandates. Of course we're not going to open our state fully because we're so close, people. All we've got to do is avoid some sort of gigantic new spike that kills hundreds of thousands of more Americans before we can get the vaccine out. A spike that could then further delay the vaccine rollout and kill even more people. Of course we have to be smart in this uh, situation. And guess what? Neanderthals are a stereotypical butt of jokes. That's literally what the entire Geico commercial like ad campaign was a rabbi you one remember? of their People. 12 wonderful campaigns yeah, the joke was that somebody said don't be a neanderthal be smart you know think you know be a are modern we, are we sure uh, it's neanderthal not neanderthal uh, who, who knows? i kind of like to know. stick the h in there there is an h it's true and then of course it's hilarious the idea that like the cameraman filming the the the, the commercial is a neanderthal and gets offended at this oh, it's semi-hilarious it's hilarious be- <laughs> it's not the funniest thing ever but it's hilarious because they're all gone. Okay. They're all extinct. Okay, it doesn't matter. You're, you're calling your opponents 
political opponents, dumb. You're saying they are stupid and they're making short-sighted decisions. And guess what? The governor of Texas and Mississippi who are lifting mask mandates are stupid See, and politically motivated and making bad decisions. You, you got to call a spade a spade. You got to do what you got to do. I mean, you're engaging and talking about, you know, from an intellectual smart standpoint, you know, what, what should we do about public policy in terms of shutting down and masks and so on. But that's not the point. The point is fighting words in, in energize the opponent. That's true. And Hillary, true. when she was talking about xenophobic people and racist people and yeah. homophobic people, yeah. Yeah. she said they are in a basket of deplorables. And she's right. Those people are in a basket of deplorables. Right. And but it's guess bad what? Politics. It backfired on yeah, her. Yeah. Right. I mean, and the thing is, we're not hearing from Biden, as I started out saying. We're hearing from, I think, some strident advocates on the left who are running his agenda. I'm sorry, Biden and, was and writing his words. Why, why, why has he not held a single press conference since he was uh, inaugurated? Is it because he's incapable of dealing with tough, challenging questions? His handlers maybe don't want him expressing extemporaneous thoughts uh, in, in Uncle, response to challenging questions? Um, no, They Uncle want to Joe. write his... Am I being paranoid? Yes, you're being paranoid. Uncle Joe has been putting there's his... psychiatrists who can deal with that. He's been putting his foot in his mouth politically for literally 50 years of politics. There's no person who is... Mr. Malapropism. Yeah. No, there's no person who's more of a gaffe machine than Joe Biden. So yeah, he's going to keep making gaffes. And if you have to find... Somebody- Not if he doesn't have a press conference, which he hasn't. It, he hasn't had any gaffes except for, for this one that he, just slipped out. He comes he comes out and says something that people say all the time, which is, man, this is Neanderthal type type, type thinking. Right. Neanderthal type. You know, it's just like saying these people are thinking like cavemen. This is not an inherently offensive thing. Nobody out there is a caveman and is offended. They just don't like being compared to one. Well, guess what? If he came out there and he said, the governor of Texas is acting like a donkey. That's worse than a Neanderthal. They're, those are dumber than Neanderthals. But nobody would get offended at it because they get they understand that it's it's uh, it's just a metaphor to explain that they're being silly, dumb, stupid. Are you obstinate. sure donkeys have lower IQs than Neanderthals? Yeah, yeah, I haven't actually. We could look it up we on the internet. Wikipedia. Hey, let's talk about Andrew Cuomo, the oh, yeah. governor of New York. Which, of course, you have to think, Chris, Andrew. Yeah, Chris is on CNN. Andrew. So, worst apology ever. I mean, uh, he says, uh, I acknowledge some of the. Things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted uh, flirtation. So let's analyze that. What was he really saying? He was saying that people got it wrong. They were misinterpreting what he did and said. In other words, they're stupid. Yeah. All he's saying is that somebody else isn't very smart or very intuitive. And I acknowledge that. Is that supposed to be an apology? I mean, then he said, to the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. So what is he sorry for? And, and, and I mean, is he sorry that somebody felt a certain way, uh, a certain groundless way? And then he tried to pick up a retired federal judge, Barbara Jones, to do an independent investigation with air quotes. And uh, let's let's think about that again. He picks the judge that would investigate him. That's not how it works. So instead, the attorney general in the state of New York is going to do the investigation. And, you know, uh, this is on top of the nursing home scandal. Uh, I mean, I, I do. Do you think this guy really is long for the political world? No, I think that he is uh, uh, very short for the political world. I think that he will probably uh, limp and serve out the rest of his term because I don't know if there's enough uh 
uh, of a movement to get him to resign now. I think he should resign now. I think there should be more of a movement now, but it just doesn't seem like there's enough uh, political will. And part of that might be that we, there's nobody really talking about who the lieutenant governor would choose to replace him uh, should he uh, resign or be removed from office right now. And once people have sort of, I think, uh, a, a new face to think of, okay, this guy's going to be, this gal's going to be at the helm uh, in New York State once Cuomo's gone, mm-hmm. I think that then there will be more uh, motivation and political will to actually get him out of there. Because I, I don't think anybody wants to, to, I mean, as much as they people despise what Cuomo has done, not just the sexual harassment allegations, but the lying about COVID, covering up uh, COVID deaths in nursing homes and hospitals and shifting the uh, numbers around and, and uh, you know, uh, fudging the paperwork. Yeah. That's, the, I mean, the, that alone is its own impeachable offense. And so I think everybody understands that he should go. And the question is really just, okay, is, is New York going to be, you know, without some sort of figurehead or without a, a, a person with a plan uh, once he does? I think uh, that's mere months away. Um even though uh, it appears that Cuomo's plan appears to be to limp out the rest of his term. So when we come back, a brand new lawsuit against Donald Trump. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to subscribe to and rate too many lawyers. Yeah, if you like our ranting and uh, raving, uh, the, the ravings of a madman uh, over here, um, subscribe to us. Don't just uh, stumble on us once and, uh, and and never hear us again. We're, uh, uh, we're here every week. Uh, so head over to whatever platform you use for podcasts. That's probably Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's Stitcher or uh, Podcast Addict or whatever else. Uh, and give us a, a like or a subscribe or whatever the, uh, the individual platform uses as a way to keep you uh, informed so they'll push new episodes for you. Um, and uh, we really appreciate it. It would be even better if you could leave us a like or a comment uh, on our comment page or even share us with a friend so you, you know, spread the love. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. We'll be right back. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm still Connor Oaks. So, Connor, I mean, the way we sound on this podcast, um, I'm not sure we're doing it right because there was a big article in the New York Times the other day saying uh, this is how to do a podcast. And, oh, you know, you know, well, this is good info. I need this. On. Yeah, po- topics and, and and the voice. They, they said there's a special podcast voice. Oh, really? And they said, yeah, it, when people started out doing podcasts, it was the classic NPR type voice where you remember the Shweddy Balls uh, <laughs> uh, a sketch on Saturday Night Live? A classic. Where the yes. two women interviewed Alec Baldwin yes. and he was from and the Shweddy family. Sort of a, he a made Christmas balls. Breathy. Personal, yeah. intimate. So we're going to be talking voice. about the Donald Trump situation and uh, we're going to be evaluating it from all the different angles. That was the way people. Yeah, it's like did. ASMR. It's yeah. like the sort of pleasant audio that you, you're listening to it for the quality yeah. of the sound. But the New York Times says, no, nobody Ooh. wants that anymore. Wow. You know, that nobody wants to have some. Some breathy NPR person <laughs> whispering in yeah. their ear. Sweet they, nothings. They just want it very conversational, just yeah. like uh, Arthur Godfrey of old. Pretend you're just talking to one person. So we have to work on that. Oh, okay. But let's for for now let's work on the new uh, lawsuit against Donald Trump. Okay. So Eric Swalwell, uh, if you remember that name, he's a congressman from uh, California. He's a Democrat, and he's famous for having a, a girlfriend who turned out to be a communist Chinese spy. You and know? then he broke up with her when apparently he looked at the polls and said, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to help me. Um, so he has filed a brand new lawsuit uh, on March 5 against uh, not only Donald Trump, but Don Jr. and Rudy Giuliani and Representative Mo Brooks of, of Alabama, the Republican who spoke at that January 6 rally that encouraged folks to do what they did. And the lawsuit 
It's a civil suit, of course, not a criminal prosecution. It's a civil suit by Swalwell, I guess, in his capacity as a victim. He was one of the many Congress folks whose lives were threatened. And he alleges conspiracy to violate civil rights, uh, incitement to riot, disorderly conduct, terrorism, uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress. And the interesting thing to me, Connor, is that because of the discovery process uh, in terms of testimony and documents, he's going to be able to uh, keep this fight going for years there in the uh, in the court, federal court in the in the District of Columbia. You think it's a smart move, even though some people will say, well, he's a pretty, pretty big partisan. Uh, you know, he's just a political enemy of Donald Trump. You think uh, it was smart for him to keep the dispute alive in this context? It's. It's not a bad idea. I, I, in theory, I don't know about the political machinations. I, I personally wish that the Democratic politicians would separate themselves a little bit more from the pursuit of Trump stuff, because I think that having the separate the separateness of the Southern District of New York doing uh, the pursuit, uh, the the new Biden Department of Justice, Biden you know headed and approved and and uh, appointee at the top right. of Biden uh, Department of Justice to uh, to sort of have their own process of trying to pursue what people. Uh, in the Trump administration did to personally enrich themselves, Trump included, throughout the whole process. I, I, I don't want... I don't want Adam Schiff doing it because I want not because Adam Schiff is bad at this and not because of the appearance of no, partisanship. He's pretty good at this. Everybody, yeah, everybody knows that that the Democrats in the Senate and the House are partisans. Of course they are. And that they would like to see uh, Donald Trump's political career go down in flames more than it already has by him losing spectacularly. But what I want is those elected officials to be out there making the world a better place. And they get in order to do that, they do have to focus their energies a little bit. And one of those things might be handing off and delegating some stuff to law enforcement more specifically. So have the FBI and the CIA and the DOJ and the SDNY prosecutors all do their jobs. And I would like uh, Congress to get back to the work of passing legislation that improves the world in measurable ways, which we need very, very much in this time of crisis. But what about this angle that I'm really? not sure that... Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I don't know why I did that. What about this angle, Connor, that if you go through the process of taking people's depositions and gathering documents and subpoenaing folks, and then in a year and a half or two or so, the judge says, okay, trial time. Everybody come on down for a jury trial. So a jury of 12 tried and true citizens of Washington, D.C., sit in judgment of Don, Don Jr., Rudy, and Mm Moe, and they have the power to order Don, Donald Trump, to pay a million or twenty million, oh, or be, half a billion, or worry. a billion dollars. You can't in you damages. Can't. They won't. Why? Be why wouldn't they do it? And why wouldn't that be a, a perfect source of revenge against Donald Trump? I mean, it might be. And having this process, these lawsuits wind their wind their way through the civil court system until they finally end up going to trial is a fine outcome that I don't have any problem with. I just would prefer that if it wasn't, I prefer it wasn't Eric Swalwell who's wasting his time with the lawsuit. Although, you know. What are you going to do when he's the, got plenty of time when though, the president his hands, now that he's broken up uh, with the yeah. Chinese communist spy? Once you once the president incites violence against uh, the members of Congress, the members of Congress are going to have to be pretty, you know, be busy and have their hands full with this legislation or litigation over the fact that they were the victims of this potential incited riots or not potential actual incited riots. So I can see why they are. And just in a perfect world, uh, you'd hand this off and not waste their time, because I'll tell you what, as a lawyer, I'll tell you, litigation can take a lot of your time. 
So let's switch gears uh, and talk about whether 16-year-olds should be able to vote mm-hmm. in this here nation. Yeah. You know, counter kids these days, they, they grow up so fast. They do. So fast that House Democrats think the voting age should be lowered to 16. Now, there's a, right. there's a member of the squad. In addition to AOC, she gets most of the publicity, but there's also Representative Ayanna Presley. And she says a 16-year-old in 2021 has the wisdom that comes from 2021 challenges. Let's demonstrate the courage that matches these challenges of the modern-day 16-year-old. Our young people, she says, deserve to be stakeholders in our democracy. Right. So she wants uh, 16-year-olds to vote. Now, this isn't brand new. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, the House Democrats uh, ran it up the flagpole and not too many people saluted. But nowadays, uh, you know, I, I think maybe uh, things are a little more progressive in this nation. I, I'm just a little concerned. I mean, you know, high school sophomores and juniors, you, you went through high school with sophomores and juniors. You were mature. Right. But would you want all those guys that were in the classes with you who weren't so mature deciding? Uh, you I don't know, think maturity is the should only. should be president, senator, etc.? I don't think maturity is the only issue. I think that most people overall are pretty smart. It, and they have uh, the foibles of being human, the failings that we all share. When you say most but, people are pretty smart, I, I've read that the average IQ is 100, which I believe means for every 120, there's an 80 walking correct, around. Yeah. So mm-hmm. why would you say most people are pretty smart? But remember that we don't uh, we don't have an IQ test or any other sort of cognitive or accomplishment or any sort of test at all for voters. Are you once suggesting they get, we should? Absolutely not. Okay. Good. I think okay. I think that the the idea of one person and one vote is not a bad one. And the the current status quo system has a bunch of assumptions built into it that have no basis in, you know, logic or rationality other than we used age as a proxy for maturity and wisdom in the past. Maybe people over 80 years old or 90 years old have have experience such cognitive decline that they shouldn't be able to vote. Maybe, you know, people mature in their in their ability to sort of comprehend political concepts, should they have even the most basic parts of them explained, uh, at even 12 years old. Who knows? But we currently will, you know, draft you and send you overseas in, in, if there's a world war uh, before you can vote. Um you can certainly drop out of high school and join the military now well, under actually, age 18, I mean, the, it, and you still can't vote. Voting age is 18, and the draft age is 18. So Sure, but you could drop out of the mili- uh, drop out of college or, or high school and join the military before 18. That happens all the time. In fact, there are military recruiters who will help you. Oh, is that true? I didn't, I didn't realize. So 17-year-olds can, can join the Army? I don't even know if it's 17. Um, I had a friend who did it and dropped out of... Uh, uh, high school because he he you know wanted to get out there before the war yeah. ended you know sure he didn't um, kind of fudge his birth certificate hundred percent sure he didn't yeah okay. um, and uh, and you know the, this these arbitrary lines that we draw are these they're bright line rules for a reason they're ways to say okay there's just no good way to make this decision so let's have an arbitrary I line. I agree it, it's an arbitrary line you can easily you know, have an arbitrary line that says people haven't experienced enough of the world and you've to be gotten able to me vote thinking. until they're 30 years old or 45 years old or whatever and then they're willing to try that would win every single election you're, you're, or you can say people are are generally smart enough to learn pre-calculus at age 14 and therefore why wouldn't they be able to know, vote because it, really when it comes down to it, it go ahead if you're if you're uh, if your system says the rights of individual people matter and individual people being counted in the census leads to representation by by voters. So why wouldn't you say, well, everybody can vote now? It, can you convey enough information to a six year old to have them vote? Probably not. I, I don't know where the cutoff is where it's meaningful to have this person vote. Right. But you could easily have people under six be counted in the census and then represented by some other 
organization or group that says we represent the interests of six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds and 10-year-olds until they can vote. Who knows what system you should have, but why is it crazy to say that the 18-year-old relatively arbitrary age that we slap on things because while 18 is just kind of when you become an adult, period, you're probably out of school by then. That's kind of the reason why we do this. And it's completely arbitrary. And if you want to re-examine that, Ayanna Presley, let's do it. So uh, I hope you notice a minute or so ago just how sensitive I was. I was interrupting you. I was about to blab. And then when you said the magic words, what you said was, you know, I think what this really boils down to is this. When I heard those magic you words, you were like, I oh, said, he's going to be done soon. I'm going to let, no, <laughs> I, I heard, I'm going to let Connor finish yeah. up. So here's what I'm taking from this. Um, really, there's nothing unique about 16. I can't imagine that people are really significantly less mature at 14. So perhaps we ought to put 14-year-old women on the table. Mm-hmm. Now, what it boils down to, I think, is this, Connor. The cynics would tell you that the position people are taking on whether to lower the vote to 16 is motivated by raw partisanship based on really strong hunches about how the youth vote would turn out. And did you know that studies show that cynics are often highly intelligent people? You aware of that? So that's how I come out. It's encouraging. Uh, Whoever is in charge, whoever has a majority is going to try to shove that vote down or push it back up uh, as they will. So uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about whether or not the the stimulus checks should go to the Boston bomber. Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal I'm still Connor Oaks. And yeah, this topic uh, of the stimulus checks going to the Boston Bombers was kicked off. Boston Bomber, the remaining uh, live Boston Bomber, was kicked off by Senator Tom Cotton, who sent out a tweet who said, under ooh, Biden's... Ooh, he's the one who had that scary op-ed. Yeah, that about was, using the, military force the, against the, American that fri- citizens. That frightened yeah. the New York Times. That very, very, very scary. Very post-traumatic stress uh-huh. disorder. Oh, I was Go very ahead. scared, absolutely. So uh, he tweets, you know, under Biden's $1.9 trillion you know, stimulus plan, Plan, a $1,400 stimulus check is going to go out to the Boston bomber, Mr. Sarnayev, whatever his first name is. Right. I don't remember. This kicked off a firestorm of people on either side. He doesn't need money. He gets three things, hots and a cot. Saying things like, wait a second, we're giving uh, stimulus money to mass murderers. And on the other side, people saying, wow, that is a ridiculous cherry-picked example to try to undermine the fact that this is not a means-tested government uh, program, but instead a universal payout. Now, personally... I see enormous value in not doing means testing or, or, you know, worthiness testing for government assistance projects. How much money is it going to cost to hire some government bureaucrat, which you as a libertarian would hate, to go through, flip through the file of names and say, well, this person has too many parking mm-hmm. tickets and this person killed too many people at the Boston Marathon. And therefore, they don't get that. You got to pay that person's salary. You got to pay an entire administration of people to decide how who. much it costs. <laughs> I will personally donate one half of my meager net worth to make sure that somebody goes through and doesn't give a check to the Boston bomber and to Scott Peterson sure. and everybody on death row because right. whether or not you believe in capital punishment or not if you read the bios right. of the guys on death row right. those guys don't deserve a dime in stimulus sure money. why would you want to give money to guys who are sitting there rotting in prison who don't deserve or need money why not give more instead to the people who really need it I mean double the 
the money to the working mom who's right. got three jobs and she's a single mother. Right. And don't give Scott Peterson a freaking dime. How yeah. about that idea? See, it, you know, it just sounds so easy when you say yeah, it. Yeah, it does. To, I'm <laughs> to, proud of myself. To, to not give money to bad people and to give money well, to good people. We have people. a list of people who are in prison. Right. So why don't we go to the list? They're right. all on an Excel spreadsheet right. somewhere in in the, in Supermax. And the vast, 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 vast majority of people who are in prison in the United States are there as a result of horrific circumstances that were uh, applied to them. And we're trying to change those people for the better. We're trying to fix them so that they can be released out into the world and make society better and healthier uh, when, when they do and they come out and be productive, happy, healthy members of society. And if we say to them, by the way, you're trash, you're garbage. We won't give you the money that we think everybody else needs to survive. Meanwhile, you've got to stay locked up in here getting COVID from each other in the middle of a pandemic. And meanwhile, while you've got to pay unreal, insane, unbelievable prices for things like deodorant, soap, shampoo, toothpaste, toothbrushes, hair gel, razors, extra food from the commissary okay, to supplement the disgusting food that they're given, some phone calls issues. to their family, all this stuff, all that money has to come from their families. All their families are sending the money so that they have these sorts of amenities like toothpaste so their teeth don't fall out. These are mandatory so payments you're that they have you're raising a separate make. issue as to whether or not there are a whole bunch of people yes. incarcerated who really deserve don't it. deserve to be incarcerated, okay? No, no. Even if they deserve, even if they did the crime and now they're yeah. doing the time, they're paying yeah. the debt to the society, they we're telling these people- still should get a stimulus check? Yes, why? Okay, first of all, what's the point of a stimulus check? It's not to give people free money. The point of the stimulus check is to improve the economy and make sure people don't starve and suffer. So if you take money, if, if you have an incarcerated family, if you have an incarcerated person in a family, that whole family is going to suffer if that person doesn't get monetary support from the government. Also, if you want to put pump money okay, into let, the government, let's give it to the family of the prisoner. Again, but not the prison. Now you have to decide he's gonna how vo- he's going to spend it on cigs. Behind bars. Or he's going to spend it on toothpaste and phone calls to his daughter. Maybe. What do you want me to hey, What do you want to do? Tell these people that they are trash and they don't deserve anything. All right, I'm and gonna when donate. they come out, the government is not going to give you anything. After I've it. spent half of my meager net worth, I'm going to give another <laughs> quarter of my meager net worth to figure out who's behind bars who really doesn't deserve to be there. But meantime... The Boston Strang, a bomber, does, should not Also the Boston Strangler. Him, he, him too. I, I think we them. give the Boston bomber a check, but not the Boston Strangler. Uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so finally, Connor, we promised to, uh, to reveal the king of multitasking on the entire planet. And, and I think this guy wins hands down. I'm excited. He, he's a plastic surgeon named Scott Green. And he got in a little trouble, some traffic court issue, and so a traffic He's court probably trial. driving really fast to go save someone's nose. Probably so. <laughs> and so um, he has a date in traffic court, and uh, but everything's being done in court by Zoom nowadays, right. so he's he's able to appear remotely. Perfect. So he shows up for the uh, for the court, and the judges in the chambers. He's going to come out in a minute. Meantime, the clerk is calling the court and getting everybody lined up on the screen and so on. So the clerk, court clerk, couldn't help but notice it looked very much like Doctor Green was in an operating room wearing surgical oh scrubs getting ready to cut somebody open and so the clerk asks if the good doctor are you really ready for trial sir oh yes i'm in an operating room but i'm available for trial so go right ahead so while they're waiting for the judge to emerge from the chambers to take the bench the operation began the judge takes the bench and he observes for the record it appears the defendant is actively engaged in providing services to a patient dr green says yes yes and the judge says you know we like to keep people healthy, so we're going to kick the trial. Uh, so the question is, Connor, do you think the medical board should suspend Dr. Green from the yeah, practice of, of medicine of for, for his multi I I will say, though, he win- he's... 
He's the king. He should king be crowned. Of yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he should not be getting a stimulus check because he should be behind bars <laughs> for criminal, you know, medical malpractice. Look, what if this the patient a- waved any objection to oh the multitask? What is this a law school hypothetical? What do you want me to do? <laughs> this is crazy. You cannot do surgery and oh, anything else. Oh, it's not else. as crazy as giving a stimulus check to the, the Boston, Boston bomber. bomber. Look, you can't do surgery and anything else at the same time. And the fact that this guy did this is classic, like. Like people complain, uh, people are always talk about lawyer brain on the internet. I love, uh, I, I love uh, that concept. That like Isn't going that an to, oxymoron. <laughs> lawyer brain. <laughs> going to law school like poisons your brain, and you become some sort of Rudy Giuliani crazy person. It, yeah, similar. Medical school has a similar effect on a lot of people. They become like these gigantic headed, massive egoed. <laughs> I'm the king of the universe. People, and this guy's a plastic like surgeon guy do- from Silicon Valley. This, yeah, this guy's doing uh, you know elective surgery, and he says I'm so important. And so what I do is just so crucial that that uh, this court doesn't matter. This judge doesn't matter. This cop who gave me the ticket doesn't matter. This whole system's stupid and pointless and beneath me. So I'm just going to show up, air quotes, by having a zoom, a camera on me while I'm in this operating room. So unbelievably arrogant and obviously reckless to his patient. But even if it somehow magically wasn't reckless towards his patient at all, you can't show up in court while you're on the toilet dropping a deuce you can't show up in court while you're outside playing frisbee with your friends it's 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 disrespectful to the system that you're part of and it shows everybody involved judge you know in this case there's gonna be no jury but the prosecutor and everyone involved that you just don't respect them and you don't care about them and you think you're more important than they are you know i think that if he were clever he would have just started yelling at the judge just like al pacino in that, in that movie you're out of order out of- this whole thing is out of order and i've got a bleeder here so <laughs> judge, okay. judge if you could just hold on one second i accidentally cut his face off but i'll be back with you in just two shakes of a lamb's tail. he may be just that good that he can do two things at once well, I gotta say, Connor, we, we accomplished a lot during yeah. our podcast today. I think we really brought America together. I think so. We didn't get to all the topics we wanted to, but uh, that's what the next episode is for. And so we hope everybody uh, sticks around uh, for the next episode of uh, Too Many Lawyers. We'll see you next time. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 